0: has been a mentor in the faith, first through his writings, and then fortunately through a church retreat that I attended. I was able to sit under his teaching, and um, I'm just happy to be able to spend time with he and Jane as and friends as we've come to know each other. And in my opinion, he's, he made one statement about eight years ago that I heard that rocked my world. I think you'll find it a familiar statement. He said... That you should live your life the way Jesus would live your life if Jesus had your life to live. I imagine you've heard me say that about a thousand times, especially you who are seniors. That's because if you take that one sentence seriously, it will change everything you do and think. I guarantee you. If you decide to live your life the way Jesus would live your life if Jesus had your life to live. Dr. Willard has just completed a new book called The Divine Conspiracy, which I want to commend to you. It's in our bookstore for some of your summer reading and and discipline. He says in the opening introduction, My hope is to gain a fresh hearing for Jesus, especially among those who believe they already understand him. Dr. Willard feels, and I agree, that Christians need to be led to Christ that Jesus needs to have a fresh hearing amongst Christians. He goes on to say, however, actual discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus is in our day no longer thought of as in any way essential to having faith in him. It is regarded as a costly option. Discipleship is seen as a spiritual luxury. But the really good news for humanity is that Jesus is now taking students in the master class of life. I think you'll find reading his book this summer on the apprenticeship to Jesus might root your life into Christ during the summer. When sometimes I know our lives can slide away from Christ in the summer. And so let me commend that to you for this this summer. We're gonna begin now by worship and music. The Vespers team is gonna lead us in three songs, and let's give ourselves to worshiping God through music, and then Jane Hegel will pray following that, and Dr. Willard will come up
1: and give his presentation. Well, I've just about been blessed by that music until I'm not sure I'm going to be able to speak. (laughs) I've been talking to you uh, last time and this time on the subject, Jesus Christ, Master of the Arts and Sciences. And uh, last time I dealt with some of the problems that face us. I'll mention them again, but this time I want to be a great deal more practical and talk about some of the things that we can do to live in those verses that I gave you last time. want to renew the impression of the verses. You remember the one I gave you from Proverbs 3. Verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't rely just on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. And really, uh, most of my time today I want to just talk about how we can do that. Now let's remember the other verse which comes from Paul in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all on behalf of or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Because, after all, he is master of everything, isn't he? We sang just a moment ago about all thy works shall praise thy name in earth, in sky, in sea. And, of course, when we come to our studies the things that we're doing now, the fields that we work in, that that deals with the works of God. Everything we do is involved in God. And when we think of Jesus, as I was saying to you last time, you want to think of Jesus as the person who knows more about what you're working on than anyone else. When you name the great sociologist, Uh, Don't just mention people like Auguste Comte and Talcott Parsons and others. Always remember to mention Jesus. And when you speak of the great chemists, always remember to mention Jesus. And the great musicians, the great artists, always remember to mention him. And when we think then of doing all things that we do, On his behalf, we're thinking about doing what we're doing now. As if he were doing it. And uh, now is the time of, I guess, finishing term papers and uh, getting revved up for final exams. And that's what we're doing at USC. And uh, uh, now is the time to recognize that Jesus Christ is in the midst of all your work and all your life. I want to add one other little verse to this, which is Matthew 25:34. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you at the foundation of the world. Now, do you understand that that says to each one of us that God has intended that we should learn how to be a person who exercises a kingly rule or if you wish a queenly rule or a personal rule uh, over all that we have to do with. That's what we're put here to learn. We are here in everything we do uh, training to reign with Christ and that is your destiny. You look at the last chapter of the Bible and you'll see uh, the word there is that we shall reign with him forever and ever. And everything that we do now is an exercise in faith in God. If I am writing a paper on Chaucer or on uh, French poets or whatever I'm doing, if I'm setting up research, if I'm whatever it may be, I look at that. This is God's work that I'm dealing with, and in doing this I am doing God's work. That's the faith that comes to us when we understand who Jesus Christ really is. French literature is his field. Sports, music, ministry. You see, often we just think really ministry and not the other things. And the great challenge is to think that God is not a part of what I am doing now. And the reason why I took up the time I did on Wednesday to speak to you about uh, the condition of knowledge today is because our fields of knowledge are all set up in a way that automatically excludes the knowledge of God. And just to remind you, as I said, there's not a field of competence today that's generally recognized that involves the knowledge of God. That's a tremendous challenge. You see, it leaves us sometimes, I remember when I was in college, it left me sometimes wondering, why am I studying this stuff? I should be out doing God's work. Have you ever run into that thought? And of course, that means I then I I deal with everything I'm doing uh, as something to be just gotten out of the way. When in fact, what I'm doing now is my opportunity to know the reality of God's kingdom. What I'm doing now? What you're doing now? God is always in the present. He is in the present and uh, learning how to see with the clear eye of faith that this, whatever this is, now, whenever now is, is the place of my life with God, is the key to spiritual growth, to becoming the person that God intended for you and me to be he has a great future for every one of his people and we grow into that future as we follow Jesus Christ well there our habits are set against that I want to just tell you a little bit about a man named Frank Laubach Frank Laubach was a Presbyterian missionary in the Philippines uh, in the first part of this century and um, he was ministering in a a very uh, well, a very violent tribe of people named the Moros. And the Moros were uh, Islamic, Muslim. And uh, he tried to understand them and reach them and be with them. And as, as he did so, he, he began to think about Islam. And Islam means submission, means submission to God. And uh, he thought, what would it be like if I were constantly submissive to God. And Lombach was a well-educated man, both uh, in his uh, theological training and he had a PhD from Columbia in social psychology. And uh, he knew something about how the mind worked. And so he began to set to work to call God back into his mind once every minute. As a psychologist, he knew that if you, when you call something into your mind, it does not immediately disappear. It takes a minute or so. And so how would one practice submission to God? And his solution was simply call God back into your mind about once a minute. Now you're probably sitting there and saying, well, I'm going to have a car wreck. <laughs> You see, Laubach knew also the power of habit. And that what you can train yourself to do uh, becomes very easy. And he understood that if you would work with this gently, non-legalistically, you know, not trying to do it as a work of righteousness, but doing it as a work of wisdom because it's good for you, he knew that you could come to do this. I want to challenge you. To undertake the experiment. Would you like to have your life full of God? Do what Frank Laubach did. Remember these words of David from Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. Therefore I shall not be moved. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. How do you set the Lord always before you? And really what Laubach found was that as he went along, he was able to keep God in his mind. And then his experience generally began to be transformed. I won't go into the full details. You can read these, if you'd like, in a, in a little booklet called Letters from a Modern Mystic. Laubach wrote home letters to his father about his experiment. And... Uh, His father published them in the local Presbyterian paper. And uh, so these got out and became a little booklet. I encourage you to read it. Because you see, this is the secret of the transformation of our lives. This is the way we really come to live an eternal kind of life and understand that eternal life is not something that's going to happen to us after we die. It's something that we now enter into. You remember Jesus' words in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, knowing in the Bible generally never means know about. It means to be interactively engaged with. And the eternal life which comes to us through Christ and our confidence in him is a life of active engagement with God. And so when we think now, back to our work here and it is tremendously important what happens on college campuses not just because you're going to go out of here and in one way or another you're going to lead the world in the future but because the idea system that is present here is what governs the world the world is governed by ideas and if we don't understand that our areas of knowledge and art and so on are God's areas. We will not bring the power of God to bear upon the knowledge and artistic content and the professional practice that we are going not only to engage in ourselves but perhaps also to lead others in. So it's extremely important for us like Frank Laubach to learn how to do this and Frank Laubach experienced the presence of God in incredible ways as he began to keep God before him. Then he began to find solutions to problems. In his work, he became an astonishingly creative man. Some of you may know of the World Literacy Crusade. Laubach started that. God gave him a method of teaching people to read starting from their spoken language. Some of you may have heard the slogan, each one teach one. Because it was a method that people could take and he would not teach people the method unless they promised to teach someone else. And they were often very grateful. One Morris, tribe, uh, one Morris chieftain, after he taught him to, to read, said to Frank Laubach, uh, I'm so grateful to you. Is there anyone you would like me to kill for you? <laughs> because that was their traditional way of showing gratitude. And Frank Laubach went on as you may know to become really a world statesman for Christ all over the world and uh, that's just an illustration you see we must never think well that's for Frank Laubach that's not that's not for me Frank Laubach could have turned his back on God or had could have kept God restricted to special times and places and special moments and then he would have never have known this how then do we acknowledge him in all our ways how can we do that well I want to just mention five things and I've already talked about the first one a good deal we really do have to understand that God is in all our ways he is in all our ways and what if you're learning to conjugate uh, uh, verbs uh, God is in the verbs remember that uh, it doesn't matter what it is this is God's world and any part of you that you are involved with is God's property we under we need to understand that now so if you find that you don't believe that honestly and belief is a matter of being ready to act as if something were so uh, if you find you don't believe that honestly then you should seek understanding of this fact That everything is God's. Every molecule, everything you can mention is God's. And God is there with it. So we need to understand it. That's the first thing. Whatever I take up is God's. Secondly, we really must intend to acknowledge Him in all our ways. We must intend it. We so often miss the importance of intentions in our life. And, uh, and that's why decisions are tremendously important uh, you can't really drift into the big things in life you, you need to decide you may know someone who did but don't count on it for yourself who did drift in uh, decision is important uh, we need on the basis of our understanding to make the intention yes I will acknowledge God in everything I'm doing and then once we have done that we can begin to practice acknowledging and I want to just give you three parts now of what acknowledging amounts to. One is submission by asking. Submission by prayer. So everything that I undertake, I pray for God to act with me in that. I don't go into it and say, now I'll do this. I'm going to act. That's going to be my last point. And it's very important. We're put here to act. We're put here to count. That's why there's such a thing as prayer, is because we count. So, but the, the first thing we want to do in acknowledging God after we understand that He is there and we intend to have His presence acting with us is simply to invite Him in to everything. A good way of working here is to uh, train yourself every time you change something that you're doing uh, to pray that God would be in the next thing you do. And then to watch for him to act as you do that. Watch for the hand of God. Invite it. The uh, second part of acknowledging is to hear God's speaking to you. To hear God speaking to you. Yes, he will certainly speak to you. Um, Uh, Paul tells us in Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And Jesus in uh, John 14 talks about how those who do his commandments, he and his Father will come and make their abode with him. Well, he's not going to live with you and not talk to you. He will talk to you. And if you wish to learn how to hear God, and that will take some learning, you can do that. God's Word comes to you as an individual in a way that you will learn to recognize. It will normally be something that comes in the form of a very vivid kind of thought. So now, just this far, let me go back and say, so now many of you are going to be writing term papers, as we know. And let me just ask you, when you go about doing this, make sure to submit your work to God through asking and then after you ask it's polite to listen and if you listen God will speak to you I assure you he will now many people ask and they don't expect him to say anything so they don't listen so listen and when you notice things coming to you write them down And thank God for them. Now you know the the thing about living with God is you can explain everything away as coincidences if you wish. Did you know you can do that? I'm sure some people managed to explain the fire that fell down from heaven when Elijah prayed as an unexpected lightning storm. There's almost nothing you can't explain away. And if you do that, you will be rewarded by your faith not growing and you may say to yourself ho ho I am too smart to be taken by in this I must know and probably if you do that you will not hear you see in our culture it's automatically assumed that it's smarter to doubt than to believe did you know that it's smarter to doubt than to believe And you have some person who says, why? And people automatically think they're smarter because they say, why? Uh, You know, you can be as dumb as a cabbage and say, why? (laughs) Some people are not smart enough to know that they should believe. They're not smart enough to figure out that by believing they will be led into more truth. So we ask, we submit our work to God, and we ask. Then we listen. And we have to learn a lot of this, okay? That's why we need time alone. We need to be silent. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God. We need all of the spiritual disciplines of fellowship and sharing and teaching. You need to learn it. But you can learn this. You can learn to hear. And you can learn, and God will speak to you in your work, in your discipline. And remember I say once again, he is the expert in your field. So we need to hear, and we need to learn how to do that, but then finally act on what we hear. Act on what we hear. Submission in asking, listening, learning to hear, distinguish What God gives you from what other things give you, and you can do that. But actually then a part of that is acting on what God has given you. Act. You ever notice how in the scriptures it's hard to find a miracle that Jesus did where he didn't tell people to act? And in nearly every case what he told them to do was something that they couldn't do from the human point of view. You know that? A man with a withered hand, what does he tell him to do? Stretch forth your hand. Now a perfectly reasonable answer to that is, why do you think it's withered? I can't stretch it forth, it's withered. That's the problem. Well, he says, Stretch forth your hand. A man is carried in on a bed. What does he say to him? Take up your bed and walk. Right? A perfectly reasonable answer is Why do you think they carried me in here? Mm -hmm. A man is blind. Jesus puts mud on his eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, if I've got it right, I was surprised when Jane and I were there to learn how far the pool of Siloam was from where he put the mud on his eyes. We rode in a bus down there. Perfectly reasonable answer is, I can't, I'm blind. See? When we learn to hear from God, then we put in practice. It may be some very technical point in science or uh, uh, ministry or uh, some professional aspect of life. But we're in this with God. We listen to Him. We ask Him to be the master of our lives. And we learn how to reign with him by taking our lives in the smallest of details and submitting them to him and watching, watching the hand of God. When you go back and you read your Bible sometime, read from the front to the back and notice how much is made of God being with people. God being with people all the way through. Uh, a couple of days ago I sat down and read Joshua again. It's all, it's all about God being with them. That's what our life is about. That's what, that's what our eternal life is about. And to know Jesus as the master of the arts and the sciences is the only way forward for this puzzled, distressed, often bitter and violent world. There is no solution anywhere else, for in him are all of the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And if we believe that and act on it, we will know him in his fullness as the king of the kings of the earth, as the Lord of all creation, as our friend and the one who gives us life now that is more than any life on earth. God bless you. Thank you very much.
0: I'd like to have us close in silence and in prayer. And I'd like to ask you, before we begin that, to think through the weekend some of these things that Dr. Willard has shared with us. And I'd like to ask you to try with me a spiritual exercise on Monday's chapel. I would like you to, and we'll remind you at the front door, but I'd like you to enter chapel on Monday in silence, which will be difficult. It will be a discipline. I'd like you to come in, and once you walk through the line there at the door, I'd like you to be silent. That doesn't just mean don't talk. It means be silent and begin to open your mind and heart to what God might ask you to decide. So let's pray now and give our hearts to Christ. Father, as we've heard this morning... Your son is not only the master of the universe, but he is meant to be the master of our lives. And we have restricted him to certain times and places to be active in our lives. And we confess that to you as smallness of faith. And we turn away from that. We, we want to reorient our life Away from restricting Jesus. From restricting you through the Spirit. From restricting you, O Father. And we want to open our lives to your rule. In every single momentary aspect. And we ask for your guidance. We ask you to teach us how to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.